Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. In today's program, we hear a real-time industry response to Border Patrol Chief Jason Owens' 2024 Border Challenges and Priorities. This episode features Mark Olson from Paraton, Ben Gianni of GDIT, Red Hat's Michael Hardy, William Mayer of SAIC, and Bogdan Fursina from DeGero. This program was recorded at the annual HSDF Border Security Symposium on December 12th, 2023. All right, with this distinguished panel, there is no doubt in my mind we will have all the answers that the chief asked for within the next 20 minutes. So let's, let's start moving forward. I think everybody heard the same thing, but let me begin here. And, and by the way, answer in whatever sequence you want. If nobody's answering, I'll start pointing out, okay? (laughs) But the one most important thing that I heard today was the officer safety and officer requirements to get them the information that they need. So voice, video, data, at the edge. How do we do that? What are the challenges? What does industry need to be doing? I'll open it up. Um, Again, listen to the chief and you think you hear the, I mean, the multitude of threat vectors that are out there. You think about as, you know, hearing about the evolving dynamic of what they're doing today on the border versus what that mission is going to look like as, you know, I think the chief said, take back the border. You know, that that tool set that those agents need in front of them, one, to keep them safe, two, to make sure that they're actually being efficient in processing, right? And you heard about the process times that they're taking today. So I, you know, frankly, what as industry and some of the things that we are looking at and how to tackle is bringing that, and you'll hear about it later today, but in, in as we think about the data that CBP collects today and the volume of data that they have, how do you actually make sure, one, you've got the right architecture behind that data, you've got a network structure that's going to be able to transmit that data in the right meaningful manner through the applications that are their mission app. So how do you bring those mission applications to that end agent with the right device? You saw it, right? Mobile device or what happens, but how do you actually then draw that connectivity? Frankly, it's, you know, it does start with the backbone that does drive that. And, and it's some of the connectivity issues that they're facing today. So how in industry do we think about solving those connectivity issues, making sure, great, you've got the right data, you've got the right application. Unfortunately, you can't get it there. Or you <laughs> so I think, I think, frankly, how we're going to approach that, how we're looking at that, that full spectrum of solution set, but it does start with making sure you've got the right communications for the right mission that's out there and where you're located, whether it's the urban location or the rural areas and in, in the austere, austere, austere areas that they're operating in. So I think that's one of the things that we need to take on and challenge, whether, again, 5G bubbles, whether it's your LOEs from a low Earth orbit perspective, how do you make that cost effective, but how do you integrate that into your solution set that's out there? And those are some of the things that we're looking at. So let me go to Bogdan very quick, because I think I know an area here that uh, that I know he and I have talked about before. Front hall, back hall, bandwidth, security, 5G, bubbles, things of that nature. How do we encapsulate that into a requirement that we can meet that industry participants can play in? In, in two sentences or less. Yes, sir. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um Obviously, it's a very complex environment out there, right? It's denied environments, semi-denied environments, and fully denied, like uh, not like ur- urban centers. And the the challenge is you don't know where a Border Patrol officer will be uh, at any point in time. Um, while you do know the migrant routes, as we were discussing, you do we will not necessarily know those in the future. Uh, so the challenge is you got a multitude of technologies, uh, as as was mentioned, Leos. Uh, you've got uh, 
5G bubbles, you've got fiber in some places, you've got public cellular infrastructure that, you can, that can be leveraged. But you have to think in terms of everything has to be used at once. There's no, you don't know what you're going to get and you don't know where you're going to get it. Um, and it's a matter of cost as well, right? So you cannot have infinite costs. So how can you, how can you deploy such tools out there in a way of providing bandwidth to the edge for the backhaul so that the front hall can exist. So for example, if you put a 5G bubble, that's all fine and dandy, but if it doesn't have a backhaul to go back to a network, it doesn't matter. You can build the most complex application. If you can't reach it, it doesn't matter. If you cannot call back for backup, you have your life at risk. It, these are very basic things that a lot of people just assume it exists and it works and it doesn't. And, and I guess the most important thing is, first of all, I would suggest the developers of all industry organizations should really think of the limitations that the officers live with. They live on battery, so they have limited power. They live in very limited bandwidth environments, so they do not have a lot of capacity, so live within a couple hundred kilobits at best or less. If, if, if you want a couple megabits, that's fine, but it's just a lot more harder to, to get in a lot of places. And yeah, things are getting better and technology is advancing, but physics is limiting you to what you can do. Um, and then the other side of it is AI, which is, well, security and AI. Those are two separate things. They're extremely important. So AI will make life easier, but to bring AI to the edge without backhaul, it's not possible. It, it, I mean, it is possible, but not efficient. It is not going to do what it needs to do, what the promise of it is. So until we have a connected infrastructure throughout the southern border, I don't think we will win at this easily. Now, connected infrastructure does not mean going spending tens of billions of dollars and trying to recreate what everybody else has been trying to recreate. It means utilizing what currently exists and plucking the holes is the best way to do it. Or as, uh, as the chief said earlier, uh, fix the leak, if, if that's possible. Uh, and, and in this case, it is possible because you can take certain areas and create a private 5G infrastructure for that particular area with the backhaul, with the SATCOM or fiber or whatever it may be, and allow it to go and figure out ways of creating breadcrumbs to extend it if necessary. And these are all possible today. It's just it has to be unified. It has to be planned. It has to be worked together as an industry to be able to achieve that. And, and that requires a lot of minds being at the same table. Um, and it's the only way to truly, really achieve this, like from, a, from an industry perspective. And then the last part was security. The moment you're adding connectivity, you're adding threats. You're adding uh, multiple attack vectors to, to this world, uh, which didn't exist before. Um, the, other, the other challenge out of it is we talked about how advanced some of the, um, uh, some of the cartels are. Uh, yeah, they can run jamming drones. They can do all kinds of things to interfere with wireless spectrum, all, all kinds of different things. And, and those are all threats that weren't really necessary before as much. They, they were there, but not, not as impactful. The moment you start automating things, the officer does less. Like, sorry, they do more than before, but they do less on the technology side because the technology does it for them and they become more dependent on that technology. So now you have to protect it from being interfered with and, and, and attacked from all the different attack vectors, which, which I think it's a, it's, it's a task on its own, let's put it that way. Okay. So, Ben, one of the things that, uh, that's been touched on now with at least two speakers, and I, I certainly raised it, is what I refer to as leading indicators. Because we don't know where the next attack vector is going to be, getting that data to tell industry where we should prepare to go next. 
Can them, can we do that? If so, how? We we can do that, um, David. You you and the chief um, laid out the problem statement really well. You know, I thought, um, and <clears throat> getting the data is really about um, you know information superiority and information dominance. <laughs> Really, but tying that with operational superiority and operational uh, dominance, I, I think getting that data, you know, is uh, to some extent, you know, to take it where you get it. But the minute you get it, whether that's the tactical edge or, you know, midstream or, you know, back back at um, control centers, getting that data and securing the data and securing the channels. Right, you talk about officer safety, right? Is being able to put that. And a hardened capability, lightweight, uh, responsive to officers and agents in terms of they don't have to do much to get the data that they're they're looking for. Uh, that information is pre- precious, and information is what protects, right, and informs, right, the operational aspect of it. So I, I really see this, um, you know, as a C4 ISR communications uh, operating capability, uh, putting uh, properly trained technology models. Uh, artificial intelligence wise at the edge, you know, to be able to combine with whatever else data we can get there to that point where the agent's operating, right? Uh, to, to be able to inform the action. I think that's what's going to take. I think industry is innovating. Tech is innovating. It's getting smaller. It's getting cheaper. It's getting infinitely more deployable, more integratable. I think the innovation in terms of architecture, uh, as was mentioned, and the ability to you know, uh, put systems together that are responsive to all of the above to protect against adversaries. You know, if you combine, you know, the ability to operate uh, with 5G and backhaul that you can get, right, and a hardened tactical edge um, that includes the elements of identity management and zero trust capability, because the adversaries are going to go attack these things, right? And so we need to know who's in that, you know, network, right, and be able to keep them out and get that thing to be survivable. So I think those are the those are the known innovations around both technology and operations, uh, which will lead to, you know, the information that agents need to do the job the chief, you know, laid out. The, the government, I think, is doing a really good job. If, if the requirements information coming to industry is half as elegant and succinct as the chief laid out, I trust we're, gonna, we're, we're on a good path there. To be honest with you, that was extremely well laid out. And so that's what industry is seeking, right, is that clear, concise requirements information that you suggested. And uh, if that could be packaged, you know, in every encounter, you know, with industry that uh, eloquently and succinctly, I think we're in good shape here. Okay. So, so, uh, Mike, I'm going to go to you next. But listening to Ben capture, the way that he put it was uh, inform the actions. Great way to capture it. And this, this is not a question to you, Mike, but if you want to take it, that's great. But how do we get there? How do we get industry, every player in here, to impart that piece of valuable knowledge that's going to give us that whole array to meet those requirements? So, Mike, if you want to take that or if, if you want to add on to, to the challenges that we've, uh, we've articulated. Yeah, no, I'll, actually, I'll take that. So requirements is a very powerful word. Yep. Right. And that's that's been my job as a consultant and and as an architect and across my career is gathering requirements, listening, listening to the mission on on our prep call yesterday. um, One of the things that came up is the workflow of our border agents. Right. Because we have all the capabilities we need. Right. Technology is in a very advanced place. Think about what we've been doing over the last 10 years, all the efficiencies that we've been driving 
in the data center and now in the cloud and how we've been shrinking our application footprint, going from servers to containers to now serverless workflows, right? So we've taken technology and made it smaller while our capacity has expanded. Think about all the compute that has lived inside of our data centers, right? The size of servers that we can provision out within our data centers, but yet we can run our application workloads on really small compute. Okay, so if we can take that, embrace open standards, open communication, move away from this black box development that has hindered the mission to where industry, SIs, and the government are working together to form solutions that are going to best serve the border agents through listening and gathering those requirements to ensure that they're able to be effective in their job and have speed in processing. One of the things that jumped out is 120 countries, and think of all the millions of people that we're seeing. None of us like waiting in line at the grocery store. Imagine waiting in line at a border checkpoint and the pressure on that officer doing the processing, and they're outnumbered. So go ahead. So just just to jump in, uh, and, and well done, sir. Uh, I think the communication piece, which you hit on, is really critical. So it is industry, and we are working, you know, in competition, but we also need to put our heads together and, and work together and not lose that insight. I, I, I was a I am a I was a border patrol agent that recently retired, so I do have that in my toolbox. But not to lose insight into what we're looking at in the field, and that we're talking to the border patrol agents and keeping that communication of, of what they need. It's a vastly different border patrol that Chief Aguilar led uh, that the Chief Owens inherited. It's, it's, it's 100% different now. So just it, and it changes sort of overnight. You have flows of mi- you have flows of migrants moving, you know, areas of operation. You have you have flows that, that start up that really didn't exist uh, before. You have, uh, you know, a fentanyl problem set that we weren't talking about a few years ago. You have border patrol arresting, you know, terrorist watch list uh, individuals, uh, you know, at record and historic numbers that has never existed, you know, prior. So it just changes overnight. So I think the communication piece above everything to make sure that we're we're communicating with our partner and giving them exactly what they need and be willing to come out and and meet with them and test with them and get down to the field and bringing our workers down there as well is is huge so that everybody can sort of see the problem set. Okay. I really think to summarize this, because I mean, there's some very good points that got brought up and limit aware application development is going to be a very important thing if we could standardize. And what I mean by that is the further you go out in a denied environment, the more limited resources you have. Sometimes you have the same amount of compute in all environments because you're, you're limited by the computer you've put in your vehicle. But being aware of how much capacity I've got, what kind of throughput I have, and implement that into a standard that the application is aware of through current existing APIs and technologies that exist to be able to pull network information out, pull resource information out of how much CPU there's left, how much RAM there's left, storage, et cetera, is going to be key to actually kind of standardize some of these deployments out in the field to handle the different types of workflows that the Border Patrol agents are doing. And I'm very open to having that discussion with anybody who is willing to actually have a real conversation on how do we create an open standard around um, resource-aware applications. Because that, we can then go to our developers and make it very clear that they have to live within the environments they're being told it is. Because if you're using, if you have 200 kilobits and using 500, it's not going to work. And trust you me, the Border Patrol agent will have no clue she or him, what to do in that environment, because they can't. There's nothing they can do. Right. The only thing that can fix that is the application itself. Okay. So, Megan, we're going to have a lot more time next time because we're already running out of time. But 
We still got about uh, four minutes or so. Uh, open question to the group here. The volume, the velocity, the veracity, the validity, and the value, more importantly, of all this data that is being captured, how do we get it to that end user as quickly as possible in a disconnected, degraded, or contested environment to where that officer, to the chief's point, is going to be as safe as possible and as efficient as he or she can be? That's one. That's one part of the question. The other is, whose responsibility is this in your minds to ask for these requirements? Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Mike that said requirements, a very powerful word. Yeah. Is it now that industry hears the chief of the United States Border Patrol say, this is what I need to come together in some form or fashion and build what he's asking for? Or is it his responsibility to articulate those requirements that drives that outcome that we're looking for? Chief, I, I would say in this world, objectives are uh, always more important than requirements. Yep. Requirements get stale. They have a shelf life, if you will, or a half-life before they're no longer accurate and no longer temporal. And so understanding the objectives, you know, from an industry standpoint is always better right to respond to uh to meet them as opposed to being a slave to a requirement which uh by by no one's intention you know gets uh gets stale with you know with time or activity that happens in this in this border security environment so uh, i would say that that is um when we think about that interaction between government and industry i i think objectives based or outcomes based right is so much more important than you know specific uh requirements although there's a role for those right once the objectives are and you're at the moment, right, then you generate the requirements that you're satisfying. And this industry can do that, right, with the objectives laid out. On, on the question about um, data, uh, in the artificial intelligence world, mesh networks are something relatively new, uh, depending on your frame of reference. And it's, you know, give me the data that I need to know about the data that, that is in raw form that you might have, but I don't need all of it. I just need the piece of it that informs me on the action. And the mesh network, you know, with uh, metadata for those who are in the data analytics world and the artificial intelligence world, you know, that's so precious and so valuable that we can abstract what we know about raw data, but give the agent what they desperately need, given the constraints and of resources that they have, comms and, and compute and storage and otherwise. So. Okay. Anybody else to add anything? So if not, I've got some more questions. I mean, one of the, I, and to kind of build on, I guess, what Ben was saying here, that, that data side of it, whether it's internal within CBP or if it's, if the genesis of it is external within the agencies that are also out there doing ISR type dynamics, how do you actually get that interagency connection going on to, again, you've got a data architecture, a data governance model that CBP might follow, but might be totally different. How do you get that level of engagement there? And, and in industry, right, how do we think about bringing those types of data components together just from what we're sitting in? We're, when we're engaging with those agencies, because you think longer term, especially some of the other agencies that are out there, that those longer term trends on what are those adversaries going to be doing at the border and what are they going to bring to the border? Some of that data set is actually being gathered in other agencies. How do you actually bring those things into that? And I think that's the back to your point, though. How do you bring it in, though, in a structured manner that actually does allow that, you know, whether it's at the tactical edge side of it or in the intelligence side of it within CBP, how do you actually synthesize that data to make it meaningful to that end user? I think is important as well. So keep that governance policy, some consistency and, and interchangeability across agencies is something that needs to be worked on. And, and we as an industry can help from just where we're sitting and working with various industries or various agencies, how we're seeing those policies come together and, and help connect the dots. I've had that conversation a couple of different times across the agencies. So, well stated. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. And I think 
So objectives is a very good way to define it. The way you define it is that you need to understand objectives and timeframes that I think that are going to be really important where money goes behind it to do the implementation of that objective to make it happen, which ultimately defines requirements, et cetera. However, the one interesting thing is we're living in, in a world at a time which is probably going to be the most disruptive impact that we've had in the last 50 years with artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, We've, we've never had this amount of disruption am- amongst the workforce and, and what is actually capable to be done. So the question comes in, who's thinking about that? Who's going to be the forefront of that? How is industry and government going to work together on implementing those objectives across this crazy wave of disruption that's about to happen in the next five years? And, and it's not small. I'll guarantee you that. So the question comes in. What What is the best way to participate? What's the best way to have the conversation open or closed doors, whatever it needs to be in certain environments? It has to be both, I'm sure of it. And either way, we need to take the facts that are happening and, and, and the way the communications architecture is being deployed. AI as a combination of the two is it really changes the way everything is done. It really is in a, in a very impactful way. So I really believe that more conversation on this is more is important than less. And 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 really having the bright minds of I mean, there's a lot of very powerful industry here with a lot of very intelligent people that are very smart. They're going to come up with the next thing. And part of that is important to work on those objectives related to the disruption that's about to happen, I think. Very good. So. Just a quick recap. More conversations needed? Absolutely. Two, is going to be unified standards, I believe is the way it was put it. Uh, looking at outcomes and objectives as we move forward on this and identifying how best to use the data in order to make it safer and more efficient for those agents out there. Uh, the conversations needed? I will, on behalf of uh, HSDF, I will commit that we will do more of these conversations as we go forward because I think they're very valuable. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your participation. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chief. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on any major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum.